toilet. Here we go. Talk Games Arcade Weekly, an arcade review show brought to you each Monday, free of charge, from your friends over at WeTalkGames.com. I am your host, Kyle Von Kubik, and I'm not alone. I'm joined along with Keith, the Roboduke. Ahoy, and welcome back, Kyle. It's been a while. Been a while. <laughs> Let's steal other podcast jokes. Yes. I'm excited to be back, because I'm not going to review Knuckle Bash with you tonight. Or tomorrow, or whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. Yeah, we're not I, talking about yet another side-scrolling, beat-em-up, brawler, haymaker we, game. We've been plagued by them recently. Yeah, I don't know what happened on the run sheet, but <laughs> a lot of them got stacked one after another after another. And I saw Knuckle Bash is on there, and I'm like, I said, I'm going to kick this to the curb. And we're going to talk about a game that I love. It's a space shooter, which is a nice <laughs> change-up from what we've been talking about. And it's Gyrus! 1983 by Konami. We've talked about this game in the past, but never specifically about the game, if that makes sense. We've used it as a making mechanic or just a point of reference for other space shooters. But today is the day, Keith, that we are going to dig into Gyrus. I'm actually very excited to talk about this game a bit. One, because it's a great arcade space shooter. Yes. That is certainly a predecessor to lots of games that came after it. Mm -hmm. But it also happened during the golden age of the arcades. But let's start with the history first before I get into all that business. Okay, well, we're talking about a space shooter, but what makes this game of note is that it's a tube shooter. And if you're not familiar with a tube or a tunnel shooter, think Tempest. And what's amazing about Gyrus is it takes the mechanics of a Tempest and actually improves upon it. And Tempest is a great game. This game's a little uh, less difficult than Tempest. It has a lower barrier of entry, but it adds little elements that make it a little more exciting, for me at least, than Tempest does. And unlike Tempest, it's raster graphics as opposed to vector. And I appreciate that because while there was a lot of neat things happening in the golden era of arcades with vector graphics, a lot of times it became a wireframe mess on the screen if you try to do too much. Not in the case of Tempest. I'm thinking more specifically of like the Star Wars games, which I love. They're beautiful and they're amazing to play today. But, you know, certain zoom-in effects look a little weird, and I don't know if it holds up with a contemporary audience. I look back on those games, I get excited because of the nostalgia, but I don't know if a younger audience would find it as accessible as they would with Gyrus. I think Gyrus is super accessible and uh, easy to pick up and play and derive a lot of enjoyment out of. Definitely. It is a great pop-up token in and just play. It was something, looking at it, uh, I immediately thought of Galaga, I was like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be difficult. Yeah. You know? But it's a little Galaga, mm -hmm. but it's more 
Juno first as well. Mm, okay, well, you're touching on my making mechanics, and we'll jump right into it. Galaga 1981 by Namco is definitely an inspiration for this game, particularly how the enemies come onto the screen. They don't come on in the same galactic space dancing way, but the enemies zoom in, you have an opportunity to shoot them and get more points, and then they sort of settle back towards the screen. A big thing about this game is the perspective. It's not as flat as Galaga. It's a tube shooter, so you're looking down this cylindrical perspective where they actually scale down. Think graphic effects chip but, you know, a decade prior, where the sprites would scale up and down accordingly. They uh, come in very large, and then they go towards the back of the screen and get very tiny, and then you can shoot them when they're further away from you, but they're worth less points. So again, that gave me vibes of Galaga. I've already touched on Tempest, 1981 by Atari, another tunnel or tube shooter, but just changed up a little bit, and it's a little easier to understand where you are in space with Tempest, because you're kind of locked into that vector grid. But Gyrus, mm -hmm. it feels more frantic and you feel a little freer than you do in Tempest because you're swinging around that same circle shooting down enemies, but you don't feel like you're locked into a grid. And because they're playing with perspective and they're having the stars blast past you, it gives a good sense of speed and movement and it all lends itself. Whereas if it was snapped to a grid like Tempest, I don't think it would have that same frantic feeling that it does. And then, yes, of course, Juno first, 1983 by Konami, Came out the same year, but it was another game that played with perspective. But the perspective on Juno First, as we've discussed in previous episodes, is that of a plane with a vanishing point. What they did in Juno First, they did here just in a uh, different perspective. Instead of it being that plane vanishing point shooter, it is now a tube shooter. Do you have any other making mechanics? No, you actually hit all the ones I was going to mention. Mm. Juno First being the first one that came to mind which was also my first episode of we talk games oh i started playing this and was like oh this is a lot like juno first except it's got the tube the cylinder perspective yep. rather than the horizon this is really neat i wonder who made juno first <laughs> oh the same company and it came out the same year yeah so i feel like konami was king man at konami they were like okay we need a shooting game and they had two teams working with the same perspective idea one went with a cylinder one went with a horizon and they probably were like well they're both good let's put them both out why not the only other big making mechanic which i like to mention things outside the arcade realm sometimes mm. would be star wars okay you know yeah it's that flying through hyperspace feeling you get sure i get with that it's 1983 raster graphics yeah effectively still gives you that feeling to the day of the speed you should be going at in space, shooting at uh, you know alien spaceships, which kind of look like F-15 Tomcats. <laughs> the thing about that game is that it feels more free-roaming than Gyrus does, where Gyrus feels a little less tethered than Tempest, but still more tethered than Star Wars. Or Juno First, where you can move up and down. Yeah, Juno First is nuts. We interrupt this program for We Talk Games breaking news. Here's Stinky with the financial report. Hey, everybody, I got a great new invention. Are you really going to like this? First, I would like to apologize to everyone. I invested in my first invention, which was uh, recycling 
beer bottles to be used as non-functioning funnels. They didn't sell too good. Not even, not even at those fucking hippie conventions. Sorry, I'm a little loaded, boy. Uh, but boy, my new invention! Wow, where do you hear this? I'm inventing a new type of alphabet soup that only spells curse words. So put all your money in a shoebox and send that over to me. Uh, include a sass. If you do that, I'll mail you a couple of these noodle letters. Also, hey. The big investment time to do over at We Talk Games Pro Gear and Friends. Redbubble, Wiggly is now a people. Corporations are people. Now Wiggly's a people too. His name's Bionic Wiggly as a people. And Wiggly is now going through his blue phase. Go over there, check out the portfolio for We Talk Games, and then check out the portfolio for blue. Is uh, multilingual as well. And speaking of getting loaded... Go visit Calvon Cubic next Friday. Uh, this Friday. Wait, today's this week. Next day is those days. Friday, June 10th through Sunday, June 12th. Go to the Cradle of Civilization at Garden City. It's called the Eternal Con. Google that, Eternal Con. And I don't give a shit where you come from. Fucking get over there. Uh, go. Yeah, why don't you go get another drink, Stinky? <laughs> Kyle hopes to see you at the Eternal Con at Cradle of Aviation in Garden City, Friday, June 10th through June 12th. He'll have his artwork there as well as some discounted merchandise from the previous Pro Gear store. Don't forget to go to Pro Gear and Friends over at Redbubble and check out my blue phase. Now back to our regularly scheduled podcast, already in progress. How do you hang up? But Juno First and Gyrus, two games to me uh, that this is going to sound weird, but maybe not. Maybe this will resonate with some of our listeners or maybe you. There's certain arcade games, and particularly of this era, where you can just sit down and have beers and just lock in to that game. The first time I played Gyrus was on the cocktail table that I I have in my home that came with uh, 60 games on it. I was like, what's this game? What's nice to do and what's very relaxing to do is sit down at that cocktail table and, and have yourself an adult beverage and just keep drinking and keep playing and you just sort of zoom in. And like for me, Gyrus is that game, Miss Pac-Man is that game, Ladybug became that game for me. It's this perfect arcade game. As we discuss, there's certain games that there's no way to improve upon them because they are the quintessential classic of an arcade game. Gyrus falls into that category where I'm not going to have a lot of improvements for this game, but there were improvements made to this game and surprisingly made the game better. And that was the improvements made upon the port for Gyrus for the NES, which added boss battles and a few more sound tracks and um, made the game a little longer as well. But this game does not need any of that to make it an enjoyable experience. It's just sort of like you just zone in when you're playing it. You know what I mean, Keith? Totally. It's not something that's so difficult, as we mentioned at the top, that you can't get into it. Right. Galaga never completely spoke to me. I used to watch my friends play it, actually, when they came out with the, was it the 20th anniversary edition? It was Miss Pac-Man and Galaga in the same unit. Yeah. And they had that at the movie theaters where I spent a lot of time in 2002, 2003. 
my one friend kicked ass at Galaga, but I never felt like I could pick it up. Gyrus that is game for more me. that for me. I agree with you with Galaga. I don't feel like it's difficult. I don't feel like I'm cheated mm-hmm. when I die. I feel like it's my own fault and that I need to improve and have a better reaction time to dodge those bullets. Because sometimes when I play, I forget I can go all the way around and I'll just stick to the bottom, mm-hmm. kind of like I did in Juno first when I didn't realize I could go up and down <laughs> as well as left and right. <laughs> I end up thinking in this very simple plane and going, oh, wait, I can go all the way around. I got to remember, go all the way around. Don't just stick to the bottom all the time. Right. But you can really just get hooked in. And while I didn't ever get farther than Uranus, <laughs> which so is mature, uh, stage eight or nine, yeah, it's enjoyable every time you pick it up to give it a try. I, I always fear that a lot of these older games I'm not going to enjoy because I wasn't old enough to appreciate them right. in the arcade, and I never played it on the NES. But this is uh, one of those games, going back and playing it now, it feels very important also, mm. as well as very easy to pick up. Like This is something that inspired a lot of games after it and came from a lot of important games before it, like Galaga, and without Space Invaders, we would have never had Galaga as well. Sure. So, you know, it all sure, trickles sure. down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think this is a watermark for the era of arcades that it came from as far as it being one of the best. And it really bums me out because it's another example of how Konami really was, particularly at this point, but for a very long time, king of the arcades as well as the home console. They made some really amazing games for many years before they were just simply the Castlevania Metal Gear company. You know? Yeah, and now the Pachinko Company. Yes, the Packy Slot Company. You said you had some historical notes about this game. I Let's was about to mention that because you were yeah. talking about them being the king of the arcade. Sure. You could attribute a lot of that, especially with this game and Time Pilot, which came out in 1982, to a man we've talked about before, Yoshiki Okamoto. Mm. Thanks for taking and that for me. Interestingly enough, Yoshiki Okamoto only made, I think it was two games while he worked at Konami, and those were Time Pilot and Gyrus, which he designed. After that, he wasn't happy working there at Konami. Yeah, evidently there was some sort of pay dispute. Yeah, so he uh, was terminated. Then he went to Capcom in 1984. And what did he do there, Keith? (laughs) Well, let's think. He only made some of the greatest arcade games of all time, like 1942 and Gunsmoke, both which are amazing games. He also went on to work on such arcade classics as Final Fight and eventually Street Fighter 2. But if and you we know, know you more, love to jit your pants over Street Fighter 2. I know. Big old boners <laughs> going on over Street Fighter 2 here. But There will yeah, be I, no K-pop on this episode, I promise. <laughs> you won't hear it hitting the table too much. But um, if you go and listen to our episode about Armored Warriors, I talk a bit more about Yoshiki Okamoto as well and uh yeah so he, he he's the genius behind gyrus right so if konami had maybe just given him a little bit more of a pay raise yeah, they may have seen the success capcom saw in the 80s or the later 80s from the mid to late 80s they, into the 90s they did okay if they had held him. on to this guy yeah they did okay without him but who knows what would have happened on universe b um, yeah yeah what if <laughs> This game controls wonderfully. It's a eight-way joystick. I believe uh, my cocktail table is a four-way joystick. 
And the ports that are on the home consoles, I've touched on the Nintendo. There was one for the Coleco. There was one for the Atari. So they were, it works very well with a four-way joystick. You know, however you're playing it or emulating or whatever, you should have no trouble getting this game to control beautifully. What surprised me is this was not a paddle or spinner game. I thought maybe in its official cabinet it might have had like a paddle or a spinner. I thought it had a spinner from the way it was playing for me. I was like, oh, this would make a great spinner game like Tempest 2000. It would. It would. Um, It's funny that you brought up Tempest 2000. I want to touch on this. This game definitely improved upon the Tempest mechanic, and I don't think it was rivaled until Tempest 2000. And I don't think any game rivals Tempest 2000 at this point. Right. But there are no other cylindrical shooter games I can think of. Right. And this game's a two-player alternating game. So it's fun to play with another person. You can see how high you can get. It's a vertical screen shooter, so there's a nice real estate of screen. Going back to the perspective, it's a stark black background with very bright colors, and that contrast just gives you this depth. They achieved something very impressive for 1983. I can't stress it enough. Yeah, it's the same thing they did with Juno first. They went for a certain feel, and they gave it, with very simple raster graphics. You didn't, you know, you don't need your 3D graphics of today to mm-hmm. really get the good feel of piloting a, a space tomcat yeah. and shooting down baddies. For 1983, I think it's on par with its contemporaries at the time. It reminds me very much of a Bally Williams game that you would see of the same era, but of course a little more polished. Not to detract from Williams, but Williams had a very specific look about it where this looks very much like a Konami game. But it's the same thing of using a black background with high contrasting colors to give you real sharp images and just depth and perspective. Yeah, with the Bally Midway, it does have a little bit of a Defender feel, though, too, which I believe came before this. When you mentioned them, yeah, that immediately made me think think of a Defender little bit of a look, but it's definitely Konami with the very simple intro screen where it's just a, a static image, yeah. the title. Konami games always seem to be that way. You turn them on, it's like, but there's the title. Are you going to play or what? We're, we're about playing the game, not about the story or the setup. Just jump in and shoot things down. I didn't think when I originally saw the demo screen that mm-hmm. you could shoot the enemies that were all the way down ahead of you, but it's pretty impressive, like tracking your shots all the way down to hit those guys way ahead of you in space for how tiny they are. Yeah, and like I said, those are worth less points when you make those shots, which is kind of surprising considering it's more difficult to make. Yeah, but it's good. There's, I don't know how many stages are in total, because as I said before, I couldn't get past Uranus. <laughs> but <laughs> um, On the arcade, it's... Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Earth. On the NES port, it's the entire solar system, including going past Earth to the sun. Whoa. Um, So Pluto's even on the Nintendo version? Pluto Pluto, uh, stands as a planet in the NES version. Ah, forever remembered when it was a planet. Never forget. When you start the game, it says two warps to Neptune, but after you get to Neptune, it's three warps or levels for each planet. When you beat that, I don't know what you call it, stage, it's two, le- two or three levels to, to complete the stage. When you complete the stage, you see the planet. So you see Neptune, you see Uranus or Uranus, you see Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, and Earth. And then you loop. Yeah, and it plays a really 
crazy noise that made me think my machine was going to blow up for a moment there <laughs> when you get to the planet. Dude, I love the sound effects in this game. Oh, no, they're great, but it is one of those noises that is so metallic mm-hmm. that I thought something was wrong with my machine. Right. That it sounds so good that I'm like, it sounded so real that I'm like, something is wrong. And I'm like, oh, no, that's you, you made it here, noise to the planet. Oh, okay. No, I love the chugging sort of noise when the points rack up at the end of the level. Yes. Oh, and there's also bonus stages that we didn't touch on. Oh, yeah. Between the planets. And it's just an opportunity to rack up some points. And again, it's the same idea of things whoosh onto the screen. And in this bonus stages, you want to shoot as many of them as possible without them disappearing because they're not going to give you another opportunity to shoot them there is another opportunity when you're playing the regular rounds and nothing can kill you in the bonus stage. So it is truly a bonus or second try stage. It's not like these bonus stages in other uh, older games that we talked about where you can still die. Something interesting I saw on this, just to mention it, is the fact that Gyrus on the NES, yes, Konami did put it out, but as we all know, you're only allowed to put out a certain (laughs) amount of games for the NES back in the 80s, so this was published by Ultra Games. Ultra Games here in North America, it was under Konami for the Famicom Disk System in Japan. And Ooh, the, so it might have had some better music, maybe, than our version did? I don't think so. In my research, I went through both of those games. I think the music's the same. The North American release is the Famicom Disk System game. I think there's a year between the two releases. The cartridges just got better. That's why the Famicom Disk System failed, is because you were locked into that floppy disk and there was loading times. And by the time that that was just sort of making traction, people were figuring out how to add extra chips and things into the cartridges. So it made the discs obsolete. I think they only had like a good year or two burn in Japan, which is why they never came here. I love the music in this game and it's electronic up-tempo remix of JS Box Tokata and Fugue in D minor. And if you're not familiar with that song, think Castlevania. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that's playing in the space game. It I'm works. expecting Bella Lugosi to come creeping around the side of the screen. Oh, no, wait, that's Swan Lake, my bad. Does it not work, though, for the game? I mean, with just the high-tension gameplay, I think that's a perfect track. Man, this sounds like a Castlevania <laughs> song. But I really dug it. And, I, you know, it's the only track in the arcade version. The home port on the NES has three other tracks for a total of four or maybe two other tracks for a total of three. Regardless, it also has a remix of that arcade track as well as two others that are wonderful. This is some great music. But on the arcade, they only had the one track, but it never got boring, especially with those crunchy sound effects in between. It was a nice change up. Yeah, I love the sounds when the enemies that can give you the power-up show up, because you normally have a single spherical blast that you can get a double shot by shooting those enemies that, like, buzz in. Forgive me for getting to mention that. That's important. Yeah. And those enemies buzz in, and if you kill all of them or one of them, you get a a more powerful shot. And I love the, like, bonus noise of getting that power-up is really, really nice. I mentioned the chugging of the points at the end of the level. Interestingly enough, this is by Konami, and what happens when you beat a level in Castlevania? It chugs up all your points at the end. That's correct. I never realized that might be kind of a Konami mark, is finishing a level and getting that of all the points racking up. Oh, man, I feel like I need to look into a bunch of Konami games and see if that's kind of their thing or not. I'm sure some other nerd probably already has. (laughs) 
Um, well, here's something even more nerdy, sticking with the thread of Konami. Yes, you can input the Konami code, not on the arcade, but on the NES version, only it's exactly the same, but backwards. And I'm Whoa. not going to tell you what it does, but you have to input the Konami code exactly the same, but backwards. Wow. So, Keith, I think we've been gushing about this game. Clearly, we have nothing that we'd want to improve upon it. I don't think we have many dislikes. Is there anything that you didn't like about Gyrus? No, actually. I think something you could sit down with someone else, right. compete for points in that old arcade tradition. Mm -hmm. Put a Probably. quarter up on the screen. So you can really hit the high score on this. No kill screen in this game. It cycles through, so much so that if you get 999999 across the uh, high score screen... It will actually roll over to zero 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 zero. So you just got to start over again. You just got to start all over again. I'm not sure if there's some no notation on the uh, high score or if it just skimes you out if you do roll over the numbers. But this game is just on a constant loop. Obviously, it just ramps up the speed and difficulty by dumping more things on there. We didn't touch on the different enemies on the screen. It's your standard affair for this type of space shooter. There's three different goons, spaceships that shoot at you. There's asteroids that come your way, and there's a cool uh, electric gate that two orbitals will be flying towards you, and they'll emit an electronic beam between them to try to catch you in their net, and you can, you know, shoot both or shoot one to disrupt that beam. For some reason, I got a Battletoads vibe from that, because I think in that game there is something like an electronic fence Similar to that, that's probably the only connection to this game in Battletoads. But I love this game. I think if you're a fan of space shooters, you're going to love it too. There's not much else I can say about it other than it's a great game. And if you enjoy the game and you want it to be improved upon, or you want more of it, I should say, the NES version is a great version of this game because it adds in boss battles, a little bit more music. You have the full solar system there where it has a definitive end. It's two great options for this game, but I, again, I don't think Gyrus needed any of that. It was just nice to see those improvements on the home port. Yeah, and it's been ported a whole bunch of other places on different Konami collections, including one on the Game Boy Advance, the Konami Collector series, yeah, Arcade this, Advance. There's many ways you can find this game legally. I would avoid the Atari 5200-2600 versions and not play anything earlier than the Famicom, the system, or Nintendo version. If you really want to have a good experience with this game. I'd actually love to check out the Famicom disc system of this to see how it is as well. It seems to have a little bit of a different title screen. I don't know yeah. anywhere else it really differ. Probably not in too many places, but something to look into. I bet I did play this on Nintendo back in the 80s. I'm sure I had some friend who had it. Yeah. But I probably didn't appreciate it much back then. I, I had... Alpha Mission. That was also Konami, wasn't it? Or was that Cap that was Capcom? We'll go with yeah. Capcom. I had a similar experience when I was playing the game, not because I did play it back on the Nintendo, but when I was doing the research and looking into how it played on the Nintendo, I can remember being that age, having the Nintendo, and staying away from games like this, because this felt like dad games. This felt like games dad would play. It was that time where console games were becoming their own thing as opposed to just being an alternative to the arcade or a port of the arcade where you were having different experiences like you were playing Super Mario Brothers you were playing Zelda those are your home console experiences Gyrus and Gunnack space shooters felt weird to me on the Nintendo and I didn't gravitate towards them when I was younger 
Now it's a different story. Now, again, I can appreciate it. Like you were saying, you probably didn't appreciate it back in the day, but now you can retrospectively look back and say, oh, you know what? That is a good version. Or they did do some nice enhancements or improvements on that space shooter, even though you probably avoided it when you were six or seven. It's in the same way when I was young and was like, oh, Ghosts and Goblin or Ghouls and Ghosts sucks. It's too hard. And now I appreciate that challenge. I love those games. They're I've never, I've never played through any of them because they are cheap and mean, but they're great <laughs> games. You know, same with this. It's something I think I'll go back and play some more of just to see uh, how far I can get in the solar system, if I can make it back to Earth. There you go. So, Keith, now's the part of the show where we will give our haikus for Gyrus. For- five, seven, five. Yes. Five, seven, five. We're sticking to that. Haiku for Gyrus. Round and round we go. Bro to Juno first, you know. Spin and spin, Gyrus. That was beautiful, Keith. Thank you. All right, here's mine. Improves on Tempest. The Nest version improves more. You should play, Gyrus. Yours was like a haiku review. Yes. A hybrid style of the one-sentence review. I just flapped my haiku cock on the table. I'm actually enjoying the haikus. I think it's great. If you have a haiku for this or any game we've discussed in the previous weeks, hit us up on Twitter, at WeTalkGames. Yes, or you can post it on our Facebook, which is WTG Podcast. All right, Keith, let's give our clues for next week's game. This is the one with the, the giant lizard and the monkey, right? What the fuck? <laughs> All right. Yeah, you, there, you made it. It I, took you a second. You I got, got that. I got you. I got what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> and my clue for next week is, I beat the game without knowing that I could turn the blocks. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> that went over my... I'm not... What? There's a few oh. people who will get it. I thought you were me for a second. Like no. I didn't know you could do this. <laughs> No, that's, that's not a reference to you. Hey, if No, because I don't beat the game when I don't know how to play it. <laughs> this is true. Hey, if you like what you just heard, spread the news. Share our show with a friend. Leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're on Google Play now. Give us five stars. Give us thumbs up. Share the post on your Facebook page. It really helps the show. Truly does, and we really do appreciate it. We like you... So like us, because we like that? I want you to want me? (laughs) For Keith the Robo Duke, I am Kyle Von Kubik. You've been listening to We Talk Games Arcade Weekly. I hope you join us next week where we will talk at you again. I love you.